0: We have our last installment with uh, Mr. Nathan Rennie, our friend Nathan Rennie from Concordia, St. Paul, talking about this whole notion of Afro-pessimism. I know you guys might get me get sick of me talking about race and uh, racial reconciliation all that sort of thing, but I don't care. It's an important topic, especially an important topic for the church, so we're going to keep going with it. Also, in layman's terms, it's making a little break from social media, but we'll get to all that. This is Matthew Garnett. Welcome to In Layman's Terms.
1: Once you liberate words from things, then you find their meaning, their bedrock meaning in what it is not. And I would argue, we have argued, that the word human has not been interrogated in this way. And that its bedrock opposite is the slave, that the slave the past at least 1300 years is quintessentially black.
0: So like I said, we've got uh, Nathan Rennie on again this week talking about uh, Wilderson and Afro-pessimism and critical theory and all this sort of thing we've been talking about for nigh on two years now. Uh, But before we get to all that, let me remind all of you to go to laymanstermsradio.org and donate to our Men of Steel project where we are hoping to establish a truck driving school for former inmates. Several of you have given to this already. We're about a third of the way there. We got just had a donation come in uh, the other day, along with all the others. That puts us about a third of the way there. Again, we don't not, we're not raising $30,000 for a well in Kenya this time, although we got that done. We, at least we we're a part of it. Um, the the, the uh, feat is not that high this time. We, we've got to get only to about uh, $1,800, and then we've got another donor coming in to match that to hire a professional because we all need, know I need professional help around here, uh, especially for a project like this. Uh, it's a great idea, I think. I've been told it's a great idea. I think it's a great, it would be a great idea if it worked out. Uh, but you got to have the money, and, and you've got to have an expert that can come alongside of you to help you raise the money uh, in a way that isn't inefficient or a waste of everybody's time uh, and that sort of thing. So uh, that's what that's what we're shooting shooting for there. Please go to laymanstermsradio.org, donate. Uh, to that project so so we can hire our expert to get a business plan, a business model, and everything else going for us, Um, and that'll be great. We're looking forward to making that happen. Okay, so we're talking about critical theory and that sort of thing, and the reason I've been, it's interesting, uh, over the past really two years now, since I've really taken a deep dive at the behest of my friend Steve Kozar on postmodernism, and this is something I was educated in at Claremont. Uh, It's something I knew about. He knew that I knew about it and he thought it'd be a good thing to explore. I started exploring it and as it turns out, uh, this is really a a major issue in our political climate today. You've heard people, I mean this is becoming mainstream, this whole notion of critical theory, uh, this whole notion of postmodernism, this is uh, coming into the, the public eye. Well, and this is what happens when you teach college-age kids something. They they take that something and then they go out into the public square and they try to do something with it. And that's that's what's happened. People think, oh, you know, these college kids, you know, um, they'll, you know, we're not we're not worried about their radicalism. They'll get out of school and. So on and so forth. Well, that I think there's some truth to that. Honestly, I think some of these kids will get out of school and they'll see that um, there, the, those radical ideas simply just don't work. And some of them are, you know, in our in mainstream politics, mainstream media, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And, and they're gonna find that at the end of the day, it's it's just not gonna work. But in the meantime, it's very very annoying. <laughs> That's what I think. I don't have the the doomsday theory that, that everybody has about you know postmodernism being. Um, you know, this, this thing that's going to completely overturn the republic. I mean, it might, it could, if we let it go to certain points. But really, I mean, there there's never been, uh, you know, f- w- with a, a country as large as ours and as d- diverse as ours is, it's not going to be, if there's going to be a... a, a uh, change of power, or if the the country's going to go in a completely different direction than it's gone in the past 200 years, it's not going to be peaceful. (laughs) Now, why why, why am I talking so much politics here? Well, these kind of politics are going to affect the church, to be sure, and that's what Nathan and I really home in on and focus in on. Um, And really, the reason we picked this Wilderson interview, and I'm I'm going to go back, I'm going to back up um, several minutes into this interview that you heard last week, and and then catch the end of, of Nathan and I's interview, um, uh, going forward. So uh, that's that's really what we're uh, what we're gonna do here. And the reason we want to do it is because we you know we want the church to understand that you know this is this is what you're what you're faced with. And so when you kind of are uh, seeing these sorts of things go on, here here's the kind of individual that is at the rock bottom of all this. All right, this guy isn't hiding the ball. He he's giving you the story straight. He's telling you what the objectives are, what what they're hoping to accomplish. And these sorts of things. And at one point, he even talks about the end of the world. We used to talk in these terms. You know, when we talked about the end of the world, what we were talking about was the end of Western civilization. Uh, That that was a failed idea. uh, That it produced such inequity and and disparity um, in in outcomes and the way we treated each other that it just couldn't possibly be Christian. And uh, Nathan and I challenged that this week. We, We say, no, that in fact is not. Uh, the way we want to go, and so uh, at, at any rate, that's that's really what we're why why we're trying to do some of these things around here is because uh, this is really becoming in the news. You know, if you listen to the news at all, you you know you even heard it on the uh, presidential debate stage. You heard President Trump and uh, and former Vice President Biden bring up the topic of of critical race theory. So it's it's a big issue. It's 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 um, difficult to understand what the objectives are, what, what the what's trying to be done here. It's confusing to a lot of people uh, and unless you understand what kind of games being played here then you're not going to be able to combat it and that's really the whole point of bringing it up and talking about it so much. So all that uh, prolegomena to say, uh, our last installment with Nathan Rennie is this week. Go to laymanstermsradio.org and uh, donate to the Minnesota Steel Project. Also, if you like the podcast and you want to promote it, go for it. Uh, I'm done promoting the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. I am trying to remove myself from, from the, those areas. I, I think that they are, by and large, counterproductive. They, there can be some good aspects to them. There, there's good ways to disseminate information. But I think that, that the era of those uh, platforms largely being helpful is over. Um, that's just my opinion. Uh, I'm going to take a break from them at least, if not a, a permanent break <laughs> from, from those platforms. I see no need to be the, on them. I don't, I used to get on there and debate and hackle and da, 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 And people just aren't interested in that anymore. They, they're, they're more interested in, in other things. They've got their own agendas to, to forward and that sort of stuff. And I just, yeah, I just, I'm not, I just don't have time for that. I don't have the, I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I don't have the emotional capacity to do that anymore so I let that go a long time ago uh, and I just kind of promote the podcast on there and really you know I get just as many of y'all subscribing to the podcast listening to it etc by advertising on Facebook and Twitter and whatnot as I do just doing the podcast and not wasting my time uh, on there so if you want to promote it on Facebook or Twitter go for it or any other social media platform um that's that's up to you share it with your friends but but really we're not going to be responding to to messages coming through there um you know if you want to get us a message obviously go to lamestromsradio.com go to the contacts um you can contact us there and and we can respond to you but we're not doing the we are we are uh freeing ourselves from those two social media platforms (laughs) so just wanted everybody to know that anyway done with all that let's get on to the the last installment with our interview with Nathan Rennie. Here we go.
1: Uh, Afro-pessimism, we have described it to you, uh, describes the totality of every black person's life. I mean, there are black billionaires and there are black starving people. Uh, There are black trans people and there are black hetero people. But I would say that all those differences are important and inessential. What I'm suggesting is that that the three elements of social death are the truth, the truth of black existence, not the totality. Just as I would say that in psychoanalytic feminism, um, a a properly oedipalized girl slash woman um, is the truth of oedipal triangulation, not the totality of how a girl, child or woman lives their lives. And just like I would say that exploitation is the truth of capitalist domination, but definitely not the totality of how someone lives their lives under capitalist domination. So the truth, what do I mean by truth? What I mean by truth is if you were to undo this one little widget, would the world come apart? And so the desire, the, the theoretical desire for that project is very different from the theoretical desire of projects of hybridity. Even projects of hybridity that don't announce themselves as being so are really fundamentally asking themselves a question, how do I as a non-conforming visual person or a non-conforming sexualized person live in this society? That's not a question you can ask throughout for pessimism. The only question you can ask throughout for pessimism is what is at the core it holds it together. That if you undid it, you'd have the end of the world. Very different desires motivating a different strain of questions.
0: Okay, so there, there you go. So what, what is the the end of the world, right? <laughs> that's that's how he that's that's the term he used. Very very interesting phraseology there. Uh, but he is asking a completely different question. What what thread do we need to pull? On? So in other words. He talks about how okay, you've got you've got females, you know, got feminism, and what you know, what's what's their end goal? Uh, is it it's you know, is it to, is it to live in the in the world as it is? Uh, you've got the sexual revolution, transgenderism. He cites specifically what you know, what's are they trying to just live in the world? And what he's saying is that at, what Af, what Afro pessimism claims is that. We're not trying to live in the world. We're trying to end it. That's that's the, the, the thing he's after. And you're going to hear him go on here, I think, and talk about how if we start pulling on the thread of the, of his claim that fundamentally blackness is defined against humanness. Again, we've got this, this these binary opposites. When we start pulling on that thread. That's what's going to end the world, and that's what we're shooting for. Are, are you? That's that's what again, again, made me almost drive off the road. I'm like, oh, OK, well, at least he's, he's at least he's being honest. Um, he, he is shooting for a, you know, a, a, a complete societal change. When he talks about the end of the world, that's, you know, I, I think that's the, the, that phraseology is really he's saying that that his claim. Here with Afro pessimism is, you know, it's, it's not it's not the sexual revolution, it's not the. Feminist movement, but it in fact is uh, the, the the blackness, the Afro-pessimism, that's going to be the thread that if we start pulling on that, that's what's going to really redefine everything and um, bring about whatever it is he's hoping to bring about, which again, in Marxist theory, is is the utopia.
2: Okay, well, man, and you, you <laughs> might be, you might be right on that too, because one of the interesting things about this interview as we continue, and I don't know if we'll get a chance to hear it or not, but mm-hmm. she talks to him about like hope. And I think he says something like, well, if I gave the impression of hope, I, I, I really wish I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> and, and he talks and he talks about like why he says that. He says because he's not religious. Um, so he does see religion, he does see God as, I guess, in, I mean, Mark said the opiate of the people and this whole idea of this false consciousness, right? That people yeah. embrace as their hope, but in reality, it's not It's not really a true hope, right? So yeah. I think that's kind of, uh, that was an interesting answer when she asked him it, you know, if it, it kind of had some hope, and he's like, well, I didn't really want to give any hope. I don't yeah, want yeah. to give any hope, and because I'm not religious, um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, well, I was, so I was like, "Wow, where's he, you know? What exactly does he mean by that?" But I think that what you just said kind mm. of maybe gives us a clue as to where his hope really lies, and his hope really lies in in revolution. And I guess I don't know, Matthew. I don't know if he is saying that that he wants violent revolution. Um, it, he, He might very well be saying that, you know, it's hard to listen to a guy like this who, again, very polite, very uh, civil, uh, very seemingly aware uh, socially, uh, very sensitive guy. You know, you listen Mm -hmm. to him um, just to to think about just to think about people as being, you know, violent revolutionaries and stuff is, is a difficult thing. But but I guess we know we know what happened in the 20th century. Right. We know. Uh, the kinds of, I guess, good people, you know, the people we would have thought were our good neighbors. We we know what what can happen when these ideologies uh, start to take over and start to become and start to become their religion and start to and the utopian fever dreams begin. And I mean, again, this I think I brought this up in our last conversation, but I was struck by the fact that. um you know, in, in one of the most momentous centuries of our, of world history, uh, the 16th century with the Reformation and all the things that happened there with Luther, um, uh, bringing the scriptures to the fore. And, but that was, that was a time, like right around uh, Luther's time was, was a time when everybody, everybody was discussing, what is a just society? What does it mean? Uh, to have a flourishing society, a good society, a righteous society. And there were all these books about utopia and, and, and how and how possible it was to have a better world. And I think yeah. people back then were a little bit, um, you know, they were more realistic. They weren't talking about revolutions so much. Not everybody, at least. But then, of course, we do have the stuff that happened in um, in Munzer and uh, the the Peasants' War in 1525. So... And, and yeah, so we know that revolutions have been a uh, something that have happened throughout human history, too. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, you know, to talk about Marxism, it's not like it's it's not like it's giving it's something totally unique in that it uh, in that it deals with revolution because revolutions okay. have always happened. But it certainly does provide this intellectual superstructure to overthrow creation. To overthrow hierarchy, to overthrow authority, and uh, and kind of to justify it, to, to rationalize it, and uh, it, and it, it is it's like it's like another religion. It's not just the it's just not the mob being, you know, having their emotions ginned up about all the the grievances. Uh, maybe some good grievances. I mean, some true some things that really you know they they're right to be upset about but just mm-hmm. to, to overthrow people violently, um, yep. not a good thing. I mean, this is not, this is, and this is where, you know, Christians, uh, I mean, th- this is, this is the difficult thing, right? The kingdom of God does not come by arms and force, but mm-hmm. it comes by the yeast working slowly through the dough and it, by the birds building nests in the trees. And it comes through humble and simple means and, and yep. and Christians can't get caught up in this stuff.
0: Right, right. Well, so <clears throat> so a couple things, um, uh, three things I I think of in response to your, your very well formed comments there. One uh one we see we this is this is a really good example of cultural Marxism on display because you notice Wilderson's comments throughout where he talks about um uh the the class thing that the whole notion of of Marx and the class struggle—that's that's not the key. That that can add to it. And again, he's he's saying here with with uh, feminism, the sexual revolution, yeah, those things could add to uh, the revolution. But really, what's the fa- what, what's going to be the foundation? What's going again? His words: destroy, what's going to destroy the world? Well, when we when we when we take Afro pessimism and flip it on its head, that's going to be the key. Now, these other, again, he'll go on to say, if I recall correctly, we might hear a little bit of it, uh, that the intersectionality thing, that's great, it's fine, all adds to it, but really what's at the core of it is is the blackness. And mm-hmm. he might be right about that. Now, um, you talk about violent revolution, um, you know, the, the thing of it is, is, is that if if you are oppressed by an evil, oppressive regime as, you know, as in Wilderson's worldview is going on here, which is Western culture, Western political. If that's if you're oppressed by that, then, you know, if it takes violence to overthrow it, then that's what it takes, because that's just, you know, that's what we've got to do. Uh, You know, that's that's where, again, your cultural Marxists are probably going to disagree with your traditional Marxists. So you've got so you got a few things here, okay? So you've got your, your traditional Marxists, which, which Marx really believed that that, that the working class, um, that eventually that that would just that the the Marxist revolution, as it were, would just come about, you know, naturally. That 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 would be the natural. He Marx theorized that the natural outcome of Western capitalism, particularly under uh, Western liberal. Uh, uh, I say liberal in the, in the traditional sense, liberal democracy. The natural outcome of that would be what Marx predicted, which would be, you know, uh, which would be communist, you know, Marxist communism. Then you've got uh, Marxist Leninists. So the, the best way I can describe a Marxist Leninist is, um, oh, what's his face? I can't remember who said this, but never let a good crisis go to waste. That's that's Marxist Leninism. So in other words, hey, like right now in this election. The you know if, if you were a Marxist and you wanted to wanted to see a revolution occur this would be a great time to do it so you elect a, a figurehead to, to the presidency who is backed up by somebody who believes in the cause um, you you do things like stack the courts so so your policies can't be overturned you you essentially create a one party system um, and then you just and then you just do your thing you execute your agenda. Um, that's Marxist-Leninism. That's that's taking advantage of an opportunity. That's what Lenin did, essentially. Is he saw the weakness in the um, in, in the Czarist structure of Russia, and he took he you know he he's an opportunist, in other words, right? Uh, so that's that's another way to do it. Uh, um, I mean, because if you think about it, yeah, w- was was the revolution in Russia violent? It was, but not on a massive scale. Most of it was was a revolution of opportunity. So um, I think if you're going to see something like that happen here in the United States, that's that's kind of how it'll happen. It'll be violent to some degrees, but for the most part, it'll be an o- an opportunist type of thing. Then then you've got you know the people on the on the other on the you know probably disagreeing with with Marx and Lenin, saying you know if if we've got to take up arms and do this thing, uh, we can do it. Now I don't think that's where Wilderson is. I think he's more of a uh, Marxist Leninist. He's he sees an opportunity. Yes, where there'll be violence, of course, we'll you know we'll deal with the violence as it comes. But we've got to take advantage of this opportunity. Uh, and so, and again, that's that's all founded on the opportunity is with is with the the race the race piece. That's where the real opportunity is. Mm. Uh, yeah. to bring about quote the end of the world which he means what what he means by that so now let's get back to being Christians a couple of reasons I'm a christian is I know I can't save myself I've tried that it doesn't work I need a savior so um you know so again that's that's one of the big things I disagree you know with Jordan Peterson and the whole self-help you know the whole that kind of thing there's value in in that in some ways in some ways but at the end of the day who's who's saving you, you you're saving yourself Right. That's one problem I have. The other the other reason I'm, uh, I'm a Christian, this is maybe maybe my pragmatism is showing a little bit too much here. But um, the other reason I'm a Christian is because. Um, men can't save themselves, same reason, I, I personally can't save myself, we can't save ourselves. We just have to hold on until God, God is going to bring about the utopia, not us. And the more we try to bring about the utopia, the more disaster, chaos, murder, and just complete disaster we bring on ourselves. And we've seen some pretty good examples of that when people have tried to bring about the utopia throughout, you know, throughout human history. Mao, you know, the, the usual such, Mao, Lenin, uh, Stalin, Pol Pot. And, and so it goes. We, we, when we see men try to do that, it's just, it's just death and disaster and chaos and, you know just terrifying horror yeah uh, and so that's why I th- the reason uh, the reason I'm a conservative is because I'm just like let's let's set up a system where we can just hang on until Jesus comes back that's all I'm looking for I'm not looking for you to create a utopia I'm not looking for you to make my life better all I'm looking to do is can we just hang on until Christ comes back that's all I'm looking for it, when it comes to political philosophy, that's why, you know, again, you, my cousin and I, uh, we've actually started a new podcast, but he's a he's a uh, he's a one party, you know, uh, socialist, basically. Thanks that if, you know, if the United States more uh, it reflect, maybe it told you about this, if we more reflected, you know, the, the type of government that China has, we would be a better country.
2: You're doing a you know, podcast with him?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you. Yeah, I'll send you the link. It's called. Yeah, it's called the Matt and Jeff Show. It's actually just a YouTube channel right now, but uh, but I'll, yeah, I'll send you the links to it. It's
2: Kind of uh, like Hannity and Combs for a new age. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Well, Matt, well, let me let me just say something too. I appreciate sure. your uh filling me in on a lot of this stuff, because, uh, you know, when you asked me to talk about this after I sent the show to you, I'm just like, oh, good Lord, I shouldn't be talking about this stuff. But, but No, really, it's, it's not. Yeah, yeah no. it's been a great conversation, though, and I appreciate you uh, bringing some of your, your insight and your knowledge to all of these issues. Now, I, the whole thing about Marxism, too, I mean, I just I do feel like it's really important to emphasize just like kind of the appeal you know the appeal that it really does have to so many people because there is this sense in all of us i think where we do want to see we want to see harmony we want to see people who treat each other well who give give one another their due people who like live by the golden rule and like do unto others as you would have them do unto you i mean in a capitalist system (laughs) you can see how um it, you know, things sometimes go kind of awry and uh, with the, with the competition that drives people, um, maybe sometimes people who are owners of businesses, they don't feel like they can really treat their workers as well as as they should. You know, sure. and that's the thing that really kind of uh, I, I struggle with, because I know that people in general, we just kind of do long for uh, I think there's a an echo of Eden in all of us and that's uh, and the scriptures even talk about eternity in our hearts and we look at the way the early church did treat each other where they people were kind of willingly just giving a lot of their possessions and uh Mm -hmm. and we know that the church emphasized taking care of the poor and so this is a real i mean i think this is a real struggle here um for us as american christians to kind of wrestle with all of this stuff and to point out that Marx, at least Marx, when he was talking about the rich and the poor i mean it's not like the bible doesn't ever talk in those categories either i mean right. it does kind of divide people up into you know let's just say it the haves and the haves nots and yep. i i think it really does uh, now i think oftentimes the poor in scripture um when it talks about the poor uh, kind of the physically poor and the spiritually poor kind of get merged together, you know, sure. like uh, in Matthew, he does talk about the poor in spirit and in Luke, yeah. it talks about on the sermon on the Plain, he talks about the poor. And so, I mean, it is difficult, um, but, but ideally, you know, who would be most prepared for the gospel? I mean, it would be probably people who are at the end of their ropes, right? I mean, everybody yeah. kind of is prepared for the gospel Um yeah at at the point of death or and i shouldn't say everybody is but death is kind of that universal level leveler where we kind of will maybe have that opportunity to come to grips with the fact that we're dying because of our sin Mm. and we need a savior because death was not in the cards from the beginning and death is not as natural as normal as death is now that wasn't part of it and so i mean you've got that but then you've also got Uh, the, just kind of the, what did Luther call it? He called it the veil of tears, which maybe wasn't the best. I mean, I think he's kind of borrowing secular language there when he said that. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I I think that as Christians, I think that there's probably, it's very easy for me to see how people can be so tempted to Marxism or, or just like socialism. I just want to be a Christian socialist. And I'm yeah, thinking to myself, well, don't even do that. Be a Christian Democrat <laughs> right, <laughs> or something. Yeah. You know, don't, don't call yourself a Christian socialist right. because socialism so easily seems to merge right into um, – it goes right back into the Marxism. And the Marxism is yeah. so tempting because of the things that it emphasizes that, A, are kind of in the Bible, and, B, yeah. are things that we as Christians – probably have fallen down on in a lot of ways but at the same time i'm not going to go all tim keller either uh tim keller kind of seems to make these like the sexual issues and the justice issues uh with the the poverty issues he's like saying like well they're kind of you know they're both areas where christians have failed and i'm like yeah that's true but on the other hand it's like you know with the sexual issues you kind of got a lot of binary yes or no stuff going on there whereas with the with the poverty issues and greed, this is this becomes more difficult. It becomes more difficult to think like what is, you know, let's just say it. What's equitable? What's fair? What's just? I mean, so anyway, uh, I yeah. wanted to say all that. And can I ask you another question? But you can ignore the question if you want and, and finish things off. I know we're getting near the end. My question yeah. is when Wilderson talks about pulling that thread and how that thread will be Afro pessimism, yeah. Um, you know, we're dealing with the world from the afro pessimist view. That's gonna be the key. How do you think he thinks that's going to be the key? Do you have any idea? I was just curious. well,
0: i I mean, I think we're looking at it right now where where that narrative can be so easily spun into, hey, this country, uh, I mean, from soup to nuts. That that's really where you. I mean, I, I agree. If, if if I were to become a Marxist-Leninist, I would be 100% on board with Wilderson on this. I, really? I'd be right down. Oh yeah, 100%. Because that's how you can attack Western civilization, particularly America. Look, you guys, 1619 Project says it all. This country was not founded in 1776. It was founded in 1619. On the backs of slaves, and every since then, they black bodies have been used to perpetuate this culture mm. and societies, and so that's at the foundation of everything that is wrong here. So I think he's right about that. I don't think it's I don't think it's uh, misogyny or you know a, a sexual you know sexual preference discrimination. Whatever this, this, those are all stuff that, that can like he says can kind of add to stuff, but at the end of the day the foundation the foundational claim we can make is that the United States is founded on on the backs of black people. We can we can make that claim and mm. it it is a compelling claim, very compelling claim.
2: Well, it's and also so, one it's one that it's one that you can argue against quite a bit too. I mean, it's not you like you can a, oh yeah oh no oh. you can argue
0: <laughs> you can argue against it. However, I would say. That uh, uh, against any other claim of grievance, even class. I mean, you know, it's, it's I mean, the, the poorest among us in this country are the richest in the world. So it's really hard to make a class claim here. That's that's one of the, the mistakes I think the the Frankfurt School and Marcuse and those guys made uh, was that they still wanted to do the class thing, um, and that's that's where they that's where they started to explore the cultural Marxist piece, you know, uh, that's that's really where they brought in cultural Marxism, which was a brilliant move because we're not, now we're not talking about class because it's, it's really difficult to talk about class in the United States. You can to some extent, and some Marxists in the United States try to do it and still try to talk about how, hey, you know, uh, poor people in Appalachia are just as bad off as poor people in inner city Chicago, blah, 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 blah. But it's still really difficult to make the class claim in the United States, just because we there's so much prosperity here. The claim you the claim you've really got to make is is one of race, and that's where I think w- Wilderson is spot on. If you're going to do this thing, it's got to be based on race. Mm. That's that's the move. That's the okay. move. And I think it, I think it works. I think it works 100%. I mean you I mean what what are people rioting about right now? They're not rioting about uh, transgender rights. They're not writing about feminism. They're rioting about race. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah and, and I would, I guess, I'd kind of come back and say, like, look, I mean, if I had to choose between like who I thought had the better ideas, and let's just let's kind of eliminate okay. the idea that we're trying to overthrow everything. Let's just talk about kind oh, okay. of like, well, uh, sure, yeah.
0: observing well,
2: man, it. I, let I let me just probably,
0: come. Let me just ahead. come back with with one thing here. Again, that's why, you know, a, as a Christian, why I'm conservative, because I'm like. All this stuff about bringing about the utopia—I don't—I don't believe. Yeah, just hang on yeah. till Christ comes back. That's all I'm trying to do. But anyway, yeah. So, so again, if I were to, if I were to come out of that mode into the hey, we men need to bring about the utopia on earth, I would I would be on 100% on board with with Wilderson, 100%. So without God and without the promise of Christ's return, that's exactly where I'd go.
2: Mm all right well that's really interesting (laughs) that's really interesting to hear you say i mean i I tend to i tend to think that um uh the category of class is a little bit and i agree i think yes we do have like the wealthiest poor in the world but on the other hand i mean there is and and then maybe that kind of gives fuel to some of the capitalists who do what they do right because they're like hey we've got the wealthiest poor in the world i can do what i want And so I just kind of tend to think that there's that temptation amongst those who get that kind of financial power and uh, economic prowess and business prowess to just kind of roll over everybody. You know, it's like I don't I don't care what color you are. It's like I'm just am I'm just trying to you know maximize uh, the output of this business for our stockholders and you know and we're we're going to benefit and we're going to benefit from it. So I don't think that nowadays, at least. Um, you know, we've talked about this in the past system. Systemic racism certainly has been a part. I've argued, you know, it's, it's been a part of this uh, the history of, of our country. But we've talked about like, well, what are the laws today? What are the laws today? Right, right. But I just don't get the sense that um, people generally are you know, discriminating, uh, uh, discriminating uh, by by race as much as people think they are. Right? I heard Rolf Nader talk about like, well, there's discriminatory. Or there's discrimin uh, discriminatory uh, injustice and uh, indiscriminatory injustice, <laughs> and I, I think it's probably more indiscriminatory um, the, the injustice that often happens. I'm talking about people who just like don't have any consideration for their workers and things like that.
0: So. Yeah, well, yeah. So again, and that's and the <laughs> thing of it is what what we what what we've observed in history is so you take a godless atheist capitalist pig who's just going to roll over everybody he can to make as much money as he possibly can. Alright, so you've got that guy. Then you've got somebody who wants to uh, do what Wilderson's talking about uh, in the world. I'll take the capitalist pig. (laughs) Okay? Uh, Because because even the capitalist pig uh, you know in a, it's very difficult for him to become a complete totalitarian True. um you know for as much as i am am frustrated and annoyed by the censorship of twitter and facebook and i, I can avoid them if i want to and in a lot of ways i do i'm not very active on twitter and facebook anymore i used to be very very active anymore it's just it's just an advertising platform for me you know i can avoid them if i want to they're, they're, they don't have that much control over my life if right. I choose to not, to not allow them to have control over my life. Just, you know, uh, because at the end of the day, if the New York Post can't get a story uh, put on Facebook, you know what? Fox News can put it out there. Somebody else can put it out there. You know, it, it, it becomes a bigger story when they try to be totalitarian. I mean, the thing of it is that's, that, that, whole, uh, uh, that whole New York Post deal it's such. I mean, that is like the that's the the word of the day. Why? Because Dorsey and Twitter decided to censor it. Yeah, I <laughs> had know. they just had they just let it go out as normal, it probably <clears> wouldn't <throat> be as big a deal. But now it's this. You know. So anyway, the point being is I, I I can I can avoid a a disgusting capitalist pig if I if I need to. Uh. But I but a totalitarian a totalitarian top down government I can't avoid that. Can't avoid that.
2: Very true. Um,
0: and that's and the you'll learn,
2: and you'll learn And then you have to learn to live by lies. We'll go to yeah. Roger.
0: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Hey, um, do you have time for me to play this one more segment and discuss? Are you sure. are you out of time?
2: No, that's fine. You just probably gonna have to cut some of our other material, but go ahead.
0: Well we'll no, we'll we'll I'll run this as many episodes as I need to. This has been great. Um, okay. Let, let me let me just run one more segment and then we'll then we'll be done.
3: Well, we won't settle uh, whether pulling the thread of uh, gender or race are um, we, we won't settle all the big questions. But let me ask you another one, which has to do with uh, I'm tempted, but I'm not going to It has to do with the book itself. So the conversation we've had has been at a high theory level. And that's not how the book reads. And as as I finished the book and as I looked at the schedule of events that you were uh, re- you know, arranging so that we could do the podcast or I could fit in with, I concluded that what you are in a sense right now is a translator and you are translating this high level of theory to a very general audience. The, the kind of groups that you were meeting with at libraries, et cetera, were not the kind of conversation that we're having right now. And, and I'm wondering whether you buy that. Are you a translator? Is that what you're trying to do? And what has been the reaction when you are at the Philadelphia Free Public Library and when you meet with all of the audiences that you are um, uh, at, at all of the places? I was going to say that, that you're visiting, but you're virtually visiting.
1: Yeah. Well, um, yeah. I don't. I. I think that's an apt uh, description. Uh, it's it sounds better than what I used to say use car salesmen uh, so. <laughs> yes um, you know I have a desire in my own life uh, which is to uh, publish more books on sto- that are stories um I mean i didn't i didn't choose afro pessimism and if there, and if I wasn't black and there wasn't anti-black racism and it wasn't in South Africa and wasn't caught in all these places, I would probably, um, be doing a degree in oceanography and, uh, writing poetry and short stories about nothing. (laughs) I mean, I can't even think about it. So, um, so.
3: I don't know, Frank, I think that if you're right, you, you, that's not true. You you would have been doing oceanography, but your poetry would have nevertheless been saturated with what you could not help but recognize walking through uh, Minneapolis or Minnesota, wherever you where you were from in, in, in Minnesota in the body that you inhabited. I, I, I think that's what you are arguing in the book. Yeah, you have,
1: you're right. I'm being a bit facetious. Um, and I guess what I was trying to say in a kind of humorous way is that uh, the the moment I sit down to to go back to that kid in his twenties and uh, later in his thirties, early thirties to to just write fiction, someone calls me to do something else. You know, right. I'm very happy with this book, though. I'm very happy, and I'm happy because. It ended up with Liverite Martin and Bob Weil, while rather, who it runs the entire imprint of Riverite, uh has worked with some really high flying um, literary prose stylists, as well as um, some of the most major black uh, political thinkers of the past twenty years, from Robin Kelly to Henry Louis Gates to Appiah, you know, and. Um, So I was really able to tell him what I wanted to do with this in terms of of melding these two things together in a free-flowing way, and he was able to run with it. It also helped that the marketplace, you know, I can't get out of capitalism helped because I get you know, right before that, uh, before I pitched this book, Maggie Nelson had written The Argonauts, and so people had been, when I say people, I mean editors and, publishers have been kind of prime for this auto-theory hybrid gender uh, genre, rather, uh, hybrid genre book. But uh, I, I think you're right with that translation um, a moniker, because what sh- sh- took me by surprise, and I think it took Jared Sexton by surprise, and David Marriott, and Sadia Hartman, was um, you know, we were students. I was an older 40-something student Garrett was in his 20s, he was in her 20s, and then you had Sadia Hartman and David Marriott who were at UC Berkeley and UC Santa Cruz, respectively. They're our professors. And um, I just thought we were making an intervention into and against the second part, the second gesture of feminism, psychoanalytic feminism and Marxist theory. The second part being prescription, what should be done. We're just making an intervention as to... And uh, then Michael Brown was killed and um, it just kind of started being read. I don't think the mainstream media or mainstream academia really understands the degree to which these articles and misses before they were books were being read on Tumblr and social media by movement for black lives organizations all around the world and by uh, another strain of people called high school and college debaters. So it really and then when we got the Black Lives Matter movement going, uh, it was as though this push pull that happens rarely. But when it does happen, it's really beautiful between black activism on the ground and uh, black political thinking. Um, really just set up kind of synergy between us
0: okay so that is amazing right so now he's bring he's 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 using these (laughs) okay so michael brown was killed justifiably by uh by a police officer i mean all available evidence shows that he doesn't care what he cares about is the narrative what what kind of narrative can we spin out of this uh, how can we meld? I mean, so this is this is Marxist, this is Marxist Leninism uh, par excellence. This is opportunism. We have an opportunity here to infuse uh, our philosophy into these uh, grievance movements, and that's that's precisely what's going on. Uh, particularly because, again, uh, it, it helps uh, that the founders of, of Black Lives movements are, are avowed. Marxists. That that helps. So so you 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 see, uh, and that's where he's saying you know where you know, uh, whereas you know uh, he calls it psycho psychoanalytic feminism. I'm not quite sure what he means by that, but he, you know, kind of dismisses the the feminism and the sexual revolution. Yeah, useful, but where the where the real deal is is in the, is in this, uh, in in these situations where uh, black men are killed. Justifiably or unjustifiably, doesn't matter. What we need to do is spin the narrative where, uh, you know, where Western civil, again, Western civilization uh, is completely defined uh, by blackness. And therefore, systemically, that's where the systemic racism comes in. Uh, That's where the implicit, you know, the implicit bias comes in. And therefore, we can infuse our philosophy into these movements on the ground. Uh, that that are making making the noise and you know I think he's thinking we got a real shot here and he might be right. Um, you know again if if things go the way I think they're going to go next week they got a real shot they got a real shot to uh, to make this happen. Um, and so uh,
2: you know <laughs> it's uh it's, it's pretty astonishing. Go ahead. All right so yeah and I mean there's. And there's that desire to uh, to remake the world, and to yeah, yeah. Uh, to you know the utopia. But again, I mean, I like what you said about why you're a Christian, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a this is a movement that ultimately the philosophy is driven. Um, it's it's pretty godless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really oh, is. Yeah. And, and Hegel Hegel kind of believed in God. It seems uh, Marx didn't really seem to believe in God. This guy's a Marxist. Um, You know, he talks about how humanness requires blackness to exist. Well, okay. That woman in the podcast, she did push back a little bit. She's like, well, how was human defined before all of this stuff? You know, And I think biblical literature might have something to say about this. Like, well, she's right. It does. Because the word human is pretty recent. It's like, I don't know how many hundreds of years old it is. But before that, we talked about man. And if you look at what man means, um, there is uh, this element that man is created. And Mm -hmm. so Adam, right? Um, So the thing is, is like his world is without the creator and his Mm -hmm. world. And since he lives in a Western society and in America, um, which is a very, 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 very imperfect nation, um but you know it does have a lot of christians it has been influenced by christianity i would say christianity has been a leavening influence against the worst things in america um Mm -hmm. but you know because he's there it's like he's not only at war with the creator but he's at war with christ and just gonna overturn everything and i i wonder if you're right about all this stuff the last 20 minutes of our conversation here have been pretty illuminating i think Mm uh because we just really need to be praying for our country and sure. uh, and I know who I'll be voting for <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well but, yeah me uh, too. yeah well and again you know that that is uh, and again the both the both of us I think are in the same place it's that's that's premised on we, you know no no human philosophy is going to bring about this utopia I mean you I mean historically you can you can evidence it's not like we're just Completely basing this on on scripture, although it is found in the scripture. Uh, but if you look at history, anybody that's tried to do this, it's been terrible, it's been awful, terrible, uh, and you know re- resulted in in all kinds of violence and and and, and horror. Uh, and so again, uh, you know, I'm convinced by history and holy scripture that all we need, you know, I I want a system that just hangs on. Hey. Does that mean we don't tweak stuff here and there? Or make try to make stuff more just. You know, hey, you know, can we? You know, does that mean maybe maybe we should do do universal health care? Maybe that'll be a more just society. Okay, we can have that debate. I'm cool with that. Um, do we need to do we need to reform? Uh, you know, p- police practices. Well, we can have that discussion. Okay, can we tweak stuff here and there? I'm I'm cool with that. Uh, but that's that is not that is not at all what Wilderson is talking about here. He is not talking about tweaking anything. Right. He's talking and, and-, and he.
2: Yeah, talk, saying, he, he goes on to talk about too just the amount of uh, influence that he's been able to have in Black yeah. Lives Matter, in spite of the fact that Black she says, well, Black Lives Matter is a hopeful organization, and and he you know and he's just kind of like, well, you know, I'm not so hopeful about things, but 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 I sure have been able to work with them a lot, and I've trained like hundreds of their people in the last yep. several months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. He does go. Yep, yeah, he does go on to go on to say that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This I mean, but But that I mean, the, again, just just circling back to the original thrust I wanted to put on this is, you know, um, th- those of you out there that are listening to this that are, you know, playing around with the Ouija board of critical theory. This is what it's about, folks. It's godless. It's not Christian. And it never can be. You You. You cannot baptize this philosophy. Uh, you know,
2: a- I think again, you're right
0: yeah yeah according to somebody like like wilderson you would be a joke to him i i think bradley mason would be an absolute joke other than the fact that of being a useful idiot hey all right well you're advancing our causes among christians you know okay fine whatever but at the end of the day you better realize you know what's going down here
2: even very some even very smart useful idiots yeah useful idiots
0: right right well and, and again you know if if you, you take away my faith in this. You take away, you know, my my Christian faith, and, and ask me to pick pick a system. You know, I'm I'm kind of, again. I'm more bent toward the capitalist system, where at least I can get away from you know the capitalist pig. But you're you're, you're talking about totalitarianism here. So I just um, you know where. <laughs> uh, but if but if I was in a situation where I thought, okay, yeah. We we men have to bring about the utopia. Well, capitalism ain't going to do it. Uh, Western democracy is so far from perfect and so far from bringing about utopia for people. It's you know it's not even you can't even discuss it. Um, if you if you're looking at bringing about the utopia, then you know we're gonna we're gonna have to keep messing around with this sort of thing. Anyway, what do you think, man? Got a good one in here? I think uh, so. Well,
2: yeah, I think so too. I you know, Christian hope is the way to go, new heavens, new earth, Jesus Christ. Please. Ah, way truth and the life. Take a look at him. Man, it's like <laughs> when you get into conversations like this, I I sometimes feel so hopeless, but I just look at him and I look at everything that he did and the way he handled everything and the way he dealt with every person in the world and the way he cried out from the cross, "Father, forgive them. They don't know what they they're doing." And I'm just like, man, that is my man. That is yeah, my yeah. man. So yeah, yeah. So thank you, Matthew. Well, and, yeah, great conversation. Yeah, well, and I
0: would say, you know, I think I think that the message we definitely want to send here to folks is, you know, part of the, part of the problem with with our Western culture right now is is that it's it's set up for men to govern themselves, and I am convinced, and I think the founding fathers believe this as well, that if if you are godless, that it's impossible for you to govern yourself, uh, because because then you're just accountable to you, and men, men are not not very uh, very good actors when the only person they're accountable to is themselves. So you need you need a yeah. higher authority. Yeah, you need a higher authority to to which to be accountable. So if, if Western culture is going to work, you know, that again, there's my pragmatism coming out again. I know I have a tendency toward that, but, you know, that that's what I tell, you know, folks who, yeah, that, you know, that, that are, you know, my atheist friends. who are like, yeah, I love, you know, I love Western capitalism and liberal democracy. And I'm like, well, if you want that to continue, atheism ain't the way to go with it. You know, that's that's why guys like Sam Harris and, you know, whoever else, the atheists, you know, who who like Western ideals and enlightenment i'm like if you want that to continue you know atheism ain't the way to go and telling people they should be atheists that's that's not the move